Hello and welcome to Stories, the True and the Fictional. As you can tell from the slightly different style of music, this is going to be a slightly different style of episode. It's something we call Story Chat, where we sit down with an author, a filmmaker or any kind of storyteller really, and talk to them about their life and their work in a real fun and laid back way. So sit back, relax, unless you're going for a jog, then run faster. It's story time. We here at Stories the True and the Fictional love giving shout-outs to authors, both seasoned and new. Today we're giving a special shout-out to Elle Waithman from Texas. Her first book is The King's Chosen, Blood Ties. At the heart of an ancient prophecy is young Lucas, who has the sole power to save two medieval kingdoms from destruction. But will he discover this ultimate secret before it's too late? Find out more at lwaithman.com or follow the link in the show notes. Hello and welcome guys to this episode of Stories, the True and the Fictional. Today we have our second or third Australian on the podcast. We're very excited. Um, (laughs) Thanks for joining us, Stephanie May. Thank you very much for having me here, guys. I'm super excited. This is my first ever one. So thank you. Thank you very much. This is exciting. Cool. Excellent. Well, we're very honoured for you to be your first podcast appearance. So thank you very much. For that. Excellent. All right. So what we do, what we normally do with our uh, our guests is we crack through a few icebreaker questions before we get to the nitty gritty of why we actually have you on the podcast. So are you ready, ready to go? I am ready. Yes. Hit me. All right. So the first question is, and this one you don't have to say what everyone wants. To you to hear you can you can be selfish on this one we encourage our guests to be selfish with this question like <laughs> people say you know pickles pineapples you name it everything so if you could get rid of one thing in this world what would it be you know what i am going to refer to sort of an incident that happened last night and i am going to answer animal cruelty okay yeah something i didn't do it don't worry but there was <laughs> <laughs> there was a little bit of an incident and um i actually now have a stray dog um on oh. my on my lounge room um in my lounge room i should say so that's my answer animal animal cruelty if i could get rid of yeah off the top of my head i think that's a very good one i've got many 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 animals inside my house I oh have- bless you they're the best they're the best things in the world i know it. i probably should have said poverty and and things like that but as you said i'm, I'm going to be i'm going to be myself and that's yeah. straight off the top of my head animals are the best things so yeah. yeah animal cruelty that's what we like to hear yeah i have two cats a fish a rabbit and probably other things living in their house, <laughs> house that i don't know about yet so and, yeah. and i just have spiders yeah exactly <laughs> I like them. They're cool. I've never had a problem with spiders. It's yeah. Oh, that's where we're going to disagree. I've got massive arachnophobia. I can't deal with it. My housemate has to kill all the spiders. She's a brave one of the of the household, so she will take tear them down. I used to live with a roommate who was he literally. I would say borderline phobia. And if ever ever there was one in the house, it would he'd come up to me and say, "Can you please get rid of it?" Because I don't I don't kill them. I can't. I just yeah that's just me yeah she's the same she will just get like a container and put it on there and yeah 
spider out. And then I said, but you're just encouraging it to come back. <laughs> All right, moving along. Uh, tell us something that is on your bucket list. I would say um, that I would like to be a passenger on the new Titanic. Oh. That's, I know that that's completely random, but it's something on my bucket list and it was definitely something on um, my father's bucket list. So I would go on the, it, I have no words. It's just, it's very, it's a very personal thing. And yeah, Titanic, that's my answer. And hopefully it doesn't happen what happened last time. So please. Well, that's, I mean, I was going to say GPS technology has come a little bit further. So I think you should be okay with, you know, not running into an iceberg this time, but. Um... It would, it would be just my luck though. It would be, <laughs> it would be just my luck. I mean, <laughs> can, can you imagine, can you imagine the headlines if it did happen again? But no, yeah. <laughs> My answer passenger on the titanic Excellent. just don't tell anyone that it's unsinkable um <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> famous last words yeah or if you're worried we'll dangle some hair dryers across the front of it <laughs> <laughs> oh that's all right we're, we're with global warming there won't be any icebergs left well, exactly. I've got no fears. I've got no fears. Yeah. Uh, okay, excellent. Well, the next cool. question is the one that we do judge very, very harshly on. So uh, we don't, we don't, if, if you, I mean, this could make or break the interview, to be honest with you. So in your opinion, what is the greatest sitcom ever made? And if it's not your favourite, what is your favourite? Friends. Okay. Yeah, friends. I go friends. Fastest answer we've ever had. Yeah. Is that because that was... You know, that was a staple on the TV, you know, as you were growing up or? It was, and I can still remember watching the last ever episode of season 10. Um, it means a lot to me. It's something that I can watch over and over and over, and I still find the jokes funny. I still find a lot of things really relevant to this day, you know, work problems, relationship problems. Mm. I think it's the funniest thing. I can't tell you how many times I've watched the whole entire length of friends but that's my answer friends yeah and i will fight you on this no, no, go no, wrong. No, that, I, I agree i grew up in, i grew up on friends too so and i have oh. the whole thing many many times in my opinion it's not the greatest but it's definitely top three for me so what what's your favorite can i ask you what's your favorite oh look i'm the interviewee not of the interview <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, my favorite my favorite sitcom was sitcom is how me mother so Oh, okay. That's right. My favorite of oh, Scrubs. Yeah. Scrubs. Yeah. Does, is anyone a fan of Everybody Loves Raymond? Um, I didn't mind it. Yeah, it, 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 it was again. That was another. I, I don't. This is going to sound really weird. Every time I went to the doctors when I was a kid, it was on the on the TV of the doctors. So <laughs> I don't have fond memories because of the. Yes, uh, I can. Memory association. I yeah, yeah. I get it. I mean, it was. It was yeah. Look, I I think. It really depends on the generation too. Like that one yeah. is, I guess, no, I don't know. Yeah, How I Met Your Mother, Friends, and look, all three of ours, I would say, are my top three. So nice. can't go wrong with that. Cool. So I get to continue with you the interview get then? to continue. Can definitely, that's the question that we will ever stop an interview for if the answer is. <laughs> so, I'm glad colors, I'm Pass with flying colours. Excellent. <laughs> all right. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but have you been in a zombie movie? <laughs> yes, I have. 
So, so, so you would have thought about um, this this uh, next question. Do you have a zombie apocalypse plan? You know what? My thing is, well, the old saying goes, if you can't beat them, join them. So I, I'm joining. I'm joining them. Yep. I'm joining the Legion. Yeah, there are a few people that deserve to be taken down a notch, and I would. Yeah, I'm going to join them. Sorry. But does yeah. that mean you're going to offer yourself up to become a zombie? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we we had a, we did have a conversation with our last guest uh, who was a horror writer, and I did say I would much rather be a zombie than a survivor. Right. Because, well, one, I'm quite a large guy, so I, I'm not good at running away from zombies. So I may as well just jump on and, you know, look, then I can make a bit of a body count. Who knows? So, no, I support that answer. I do. I do. It's a very thing. Yeah, no one support. You know, no one supports my answer. I'm already in the mountains. So I'm like, I'll just stay put. <laughs> yeah, well, that that's a cool thing too. But just how often do you get to be a zombie, really? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I'll take one for the team, guys. I'm going down. You might even be lucky enough you can be a zombie, and then you never know someone might find the cure. So you get to experience all of that. You might get the human race keeps going, and you can say, look, hey, for five years I was a zombie, and I got to live my dream. And I can write a book about it. Exactly. The time I want the zombie. Yeah, it's all working out. It's I can see it now. Bestseller. It always ties into making the dollars. Okay. <laughs> uh, excellent. Excellent. <laughs> all right. Well, the last question is my is also one of my favorites. Elon Musk gets on the phone and calls you up and he says, Stephanie, I've got I've just invented the new electric time machine. And I want you to test drive it. And you can you've got a little watch that when you press the button, you come back exactly where you left. So where do you go and what do you do? You know what? This is actually something that I've thought about a lot and not so much Elon Musk, but if I, if I did ever get my hands on a time machine, I know exactly where I'd go. Um, just hear me up. Yeah. <laughs> it would be, I would go back to 1888 East End London, Whitechapel. So I could prove my hypotheses correct about who really was Jack the Ripper. Okay, let's expand on this a little bit. Who was Jack the Ripper? Well, I have my theories, and I know that there was this thing a couple of years ago with his shawl and DNA and and, and things like that, but um, there are still a lot of things left up in the air. And I do consider myself to be a Ripperologist. I have read so many books, so many articles. I've watched countless documentaries, and it's really something that I'm quite... I, I would say I'm obsessed by. So this is why I have often thought about this. I would love to go back in time and just see for myself, you know, just see. I wouldn't I wouldn't need to tell anyone about it, but just so I'd be like, ah, okay, that makes sense, you know? Okay. See, I like your little yeah. technique of avoiding the question that I just asked, by the way. <laughs> so I, I'm curious. I'm curious. Who do you think is, who, who do you think was Jack the Ripper? The reason why is because a lot of people are very passionate about this and I've given my opinions on online forums before and I've just been completely shot down, uh, just completely shot down and I just want to avoid the hate. So yeah. that's why I said that if I would go back in time and I wouldn't even tell anybody about it, it would just be for my own personal, ah, I knew it, you know, kind of, yeah. well, hopefully. That's the reason why people are very, very passionate about Jack the Ripper. Yeah. I have seen many arguments online where they're like, no, you're wrong. And it's like, how do you how do you know though? Like you weren't there. So that's the reason why I 
Yeah. You know what? That's a, that's a very interesting answer. I like that. Like, you know, we get a lot of people who go, oh, I just want to go back in time to make money, uh, you know, do the back to the future thing. But you actually want to go back in time to solve a mystery. And I really like that. That's a, I, th- I think that, and that's, you can obviously tell you're very passionate about, about that as well. So. As soon as I heard the Monica, Jack the Ripper, I thought, who, who is this guy? And there's a DJ, just, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, well, there's that. <laughs> but this has been something that has, it's really been inside my mind for a very long time. So, yeah, straight up, 1888, London. I'm gone. And, and you wouldn't yeah. get too close to him, though, would you? <laughs> yeah. No, no. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd try and observe from a distance, hopefully not the whole prostitution thing, because yeah. I obviously bring money with me to make sure that I was going to be okay. But then again, what was... How would the currency work? I, I don't yeah. know. I, I Look, I'm the type of person that, like, I'll work it out when I get there, you yeah. know. I'll, I, I well, at least I, the cool thing is, is that I know exactly where he's going to be and exactly. when. Yeah. So I would be just, you know, peeping around the corner. And and at least yeah. you've got that button on your watch because Elon says as soon as you hit that, you transport <laughs> straight back where See? you left. Right? Yeah. If, you get, if, if things get really hairy, you can just... Yeah. <laughs> Run up, the mask off when the face mask Exactly. Exactly. you'd be able to keep to yourself? You know what? I think a little bit, yeah. Okay. You know what? I, yeah, I think I would. Because even if I could go on these online forums and say, hey, guys, guess what Elon did for me? And I have proof, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. They, they, they still would know. Okay. They'd still get angry and hurl abuse. They wouldn't believe you. I've been through it all. You know, and, you try and, and give your opinion and people are just, you know, yeah. no, you're wrong. And and now you're friends with Elon Musk. It's even worse. Um. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who's going to believe me? I mean, come on. No. Well, I think <laughs> there'd be that little bit of, a little bit of um, satisfaction with you knowing yes. who that is and knowing, you know, what, all these people can argue and say that I'm, I'm not, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I actually do. Yeah. Uh, yes, exactly. I, I like that. I like that's a very good answer. Very good answer. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you for taking the time to answer our icebreaker questions. It just gives our viewers and our listeners a bit of a chance to get to know a little bit about you. Um, but now we want to know a lot about you. So we're going to just go in straight into it. And just, Stephanie, just tell us a bit about who you are, how you got into acting, writing, all that kind of thing. I I know exactly how I got into acting. It was when I was a teenager and I was watching an episode of Home and Away. Mm-hmm. And I saw this, uh, granted, she was a teenage girl, okay, but she did the most horrendous fall that anybody has ever seen. And I thought to myself, if that's her acting and she get on, she can get onto this type of show, I'm pretty sure I can fake fall something better than that. Okay. And that's truly that's truly how it came about I thought if she if she can do it I can do it and so it started from there um I used to live in Toongabi and then our family moved out to Penrith in 1999 and I very quickly joined up to a theatre company and that was so much fun that was so much fun um and I thought maybe I could do something in theatre and then you know years later when I became a teenager and I saw that horrendous fall I thought no I want to try my hand in television acting (laughs) 
And so very soon after that, I called up an extras agency. And a week after that, I got my first extras role on a TV series that nothing happened with that. Um, but it was just the most amazing experience. I loved the feeling of everybody being a family. We work together, we eat together, you spend, you know, 12 hours a day with each other. And that's really really what started it I've always felt like I've been a creative person mm -hmm. even when I was younger and I was in school I'm talking like primary school really really young I would write stories just on bits of piece of paper and I would take them into school and my teacher would bless her they obviously weren't any good but she would pin them on the board to let other students read my my work so I don't I've always had this creative thing about me um even music I'm a diehard fan of music I'd never become a musician I tried my hand at that but anything creative where you just let your imagination run wild that's that that's who I am um so with my acting, it started, it was going well, I would say, but it didn't get to the point where I was overly satisfied. So I still had to have a job to obviously support myself, pay the bills and stuff like that. And the thing about acting, even though it is so much fun and it's so addicting when you get that call to say, yes, you got the job and it's, oh my God, you know, everything seems to be very last minute. Like you'd get a call on Monday night from your agent and they'd say, okay, we've sent you, you know, five pages, memorize them by tomorrow because you've got, you've got an audition at 11 o'clock in the morning. And it's like, what, you know, I've, I've got work. Like how, how can I do this? So it started becoming a little bit of a, an issue, I think money wise. Um, and then there are of course, a lot of student films there. There's lots of work out there to be had, but a lot of it is free or it's very, very cheap. Yeah. Um, but one of the, the highlight of my career was when, I flew over to America and I worked on a film called Blue Mountain State yeah. mm -hmm. and their production there versus Australia it was like chalk and cheese yeah. I think the budget for catering alone over there was probably the entire amount for a, a movie over here like it was insane it was it was incredible the biggest thing I had ever done um it was on Netflix I don't believe it's there anymore but it made it to number one on iTunes within a day of being released oh, wow. um I was actually I get upset talking about this still but initially I was supposed to have a role opposite Denise Richards oh. um the yes um, I don't know if I am legally allowed to talk about the reasons why she pulled out, but let's just say she did. And pretty much, I think the week of me flying out and obviously I've told everybody, oh my God, I'm going to be working opposite yeah. Denise Richards, you know, um, I think it was the week that I was due to fly out. Um, I got an email saying that Denise is no longer involved in the, in the production and they had to write me something very quick off the top of their head kind of thing. Um, rewrites were sent um, but still what it was the most amazing experience mm. I met a lot of cool people um, over in Australia I've been I was blessed I got flown to Queensland I got flown to Melbourne um, it was all very fun and there are there are definitely days where I do miss it but it did get to the point where I thought something like it's it's not really happening for me yeah. so I saw on Facebook that there was this guy from Melbourne who was doing a course and this was really at the time where I was feeling quite stuck. I didn't have any momentum. Uh, by this point, I, you know, had received a lot of rejection, even after my US production, which I thought would, you know, kind of look impressive on my CV. So I saw this advertisement about a one-day course, and it was something along the lines of 
become a working actor within six months or something like that. And I, from memory, it was $350 for the day. And I thought, look, it's a little bit more than, than I would pay considering I'm not really getting money back. Mm. Um, but I thought, you know what, just, just do it, just go. Oh, also the, the thing that really hooked me in was it said those that attend this workshop will automatically get an audition into this guy's future film and I thought well that right there alone is worth is worth money you know guaranteed to audition for this guy so I went and I I had no idea walking out that that would actually be really the start of something major for me because the whole thing I'm just going to tell you quickly was that he was saying that author sorry actors need to take off their acting hat and they need to become producers slash writers basically writing your own material creating your own material and starring in it yourself basically and he was there to help with the finances and all of this and all of that so I walked away from that thinking, you know what? That's a really cool idea. Taking the reins of your own career, not waiting for other people to call you. I, lo- I love books. I kind of know how to write. That was the way I was thinking back then. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to write a screenplay. So I sat down very, very soon after that, maybe a couple of days because I was thinking about it. What am I going to do, you know? And I came up with all of these ideas that are my favorite things in the world, musicals, 50s, pin-up, fashion, all of that kind of stuff. And I wrote the screenplay, but it wasn't quite gelling for me. It just wasn't really working. And I think because mainly the characters, I didn't feel that people would be invested enough in the characters. I felt like there needed to be more backstory. So I called up the guy, so this producer. I don't know if I should say his name because... I'll just I'll just leave it out we'll call him producer okay and I called him up and I said it's it's not really working for me and then I had the idea what if I wrote this into a novel first sent it out into the world as a novel then I could take that to say Screen Australia and say I want to turn this into a film and he said you know what I've never had a student say that to me before if you think that you've got it in you to write a novel then do it and I said, I am going to do it. <laughs> How hard can it be? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was quite hard. <laughs> I made a lot of mistakes along the way. But that day really sparked the beginning of something huge for me. So my passion has completely transformed. I no longer really work on film sets. I don't really have much to do with that industry anymore. My sole passion now is writing books. And I have released two so far. The third one is due in October. And I have an additional six six more. Oh, wow. Six more novels wow. that, are, that are waiting to go. So... Obviously, nothing re- nothing happened with that screenplay. Mm-hmm. Um, funnily enough, that producer that held the um, workshop, uh, his film, nothing even happened with his film. Oh. Um, and in that, in yeah, in that time, um, I have I have done a lot with the writing side of things. There was so much to learn. I made so many mistakes, but I will forever be grateful for going to that workshop that day because it changed my life, not in the way that I think even he was expecting. Mm. You know, we were supposed to go and write screenplays and then get them funded and create movies ourselves. But that idea of writing a novel, I'm so grateful to this day. Yeah. Wow. 
Well, it sounds like it's been a it's it's been a pretty crazy and incredible journey from, you know, starting off as a teenager as an actress, and yes. you know, getting going up there and getting to you know to into into the movies in the states, doing a bit yes. out here, and then, you know, as you say, you've got the published books. And why don't you tell us a little bit about your books? So, um, the one that's really interested me is Memories of Them. Um, that sounds like my kind of book. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your books and, and obviously you've got the new one, Fool's Game, which is coming out later this year. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's true. Um, funnily enough, I just received a review from someone over in America oh. for Memories of Then, and it's absolutely just, ah, because I would like to sort of get into more of the US market. They are crazy about books over there. So, And I read a lot of um, American authors, so that was really crazy. She gave me four out of five stars. Oh, yeah. I'm still sort of on a, on a buzz from that. Um, the thing with writing is that they say, stick to your lane mm-hmm. so if you want to start it if you want to be a horror author obviously write nothing but horror you know if you want to be romance become Danielle Steele and do romance because at the time when I was writing Cherry I still didn't think that that was going to be my career now that that's what I was going to do okay. so my very first book is nothing compared to uh, sorry nothing like my second book so cherry is a ya it's literally aimed at young teenage girls um it's to do with you know makeup and fashion and pinup and all of that kind of stuff and then when i went through the process and i finally held the book in my hands i thought wow this is what i want to do but I don't want to be a YA author. I had fun with it, but I am definitely more into the adult fiction, talking about real big issues that I myself go through, death, love, loss, all of that kind of, the real heavy issues, the meat and bones of life. That's what I want to do. So anybody, and I've had people who have read both and and they've said there's marginally different they're not even similar so if I could have my time going back I definitely would have changed the genre because I don't think people would you know be following me as such Mm. but now that I know that this is definitely the way that I want to go all of my books are sort of going to be the be the same and hey I'm not embarrassed by Cherry I loved it it was a great experience it got my foot into the door um but Memories of Then is really uh it's it's quite quite heavy some of the themes that it deals with is quite heavy so in a nutshell it's about uh an elderly man that receives word that the love of his life the one that got away is uh, in a coma and um she doesn't have long to go um so he goes into you know goes to visit her uh and obviously her family are there and uh, none of them know who he is never even heard of him um so there's this instant tension different dynamics you know i'm the boss no i'm the boss you know she's my mom you know well she was the love love of my life kind of thing you know and it's really um drama based but there's a lot of I think beautiful romance in there um the review that I read um just recently said that it had essence of uh, the notebook by Nicholas Sparks that type of romance we are that was really such a compliment I thought yay (laughs) because that's that's in the rain yes exactly thank you I I love 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 that movie um and it's it's really about um how we deal with it's sort of I guess one of the themes in there would be I guess don't always judge people on on the outset you know every single one of us we all have scars we all have things that we're going through we all have issues that are unresolved and um that that's something that I would say would definitely be 
one of the main themes. And um, obviously, as the journey goes on, we find out more about them as actual lovers, how they met. Um, there are some parts where it is diary form. So we go back to 1964, the year that they first met. And then, of course, we found out exactly what it was that tore them apart um, and how he, the protagonist, um, basically dealt with his life after that and after losing her and you know seeing her again all these decades later surrounded by hostile family members um simply because they don't know who he is you know and it's a private family thing um but then of course her family um sons and daughters they also have their own issues that they are dealing with so it sort of ties in the subplot ties in i think well with with the main story so um lots of themes lots of stuff going on death love um suicide we go back to the vietnam war so very different from cherry and i can see it's definitely a well-received book several five-star lots of five-star reviews and it looks like you can pretty much get it anywhere and everywhere digitally <laughs> you know you can get it on amazon and kobo and then all the bookshops bookstops uh sorry if i can speak properly books <laughs> here, um as well which is fantastic and uh, i'm going to jump on amazon and grab a copy for myself so because oh, this is, no 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 this, I, I, this I, is what we do <laughs> this this show is not about you it's about selling books to ryan yeah, pretty much so <laughs> um it's yeah it sounds like it sounds like something that'd be right up my alley so i'm very 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 much looking forward to reading it so I hope so. I know that it's, you know, like every book, it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. But I have to say, um, I, I will I will say that it's something that I am proud of. I, it took me five years. Mm -hmm. um, I went through a lot personally. Um, and to see the end results and even the front cover design, which I think she did a marvellous yeah. job. I've actually so many so many compliments on the front cover which of course i can't take any credit for mm. but it, it has been really really well received and it just made all of that hard work and everything that i went through just made it all worth it so it is something that i myself am proud of and um i don't know if i should say this because i've got another book coming out but out of all of the ones that i have written so far this is this is my favorite I think it's just got that little magical thing in there where it's it pulls at the heartstrings but things you know have a way of working out exactly yeah. and and I think it's as you I think why it would and, and I'm not a writer by any I will read I've read a, a billion books so I can only speak as as a reader but I think as you yeah. said this is the first book where you've found your niche in terms of yes what how you want to write and the kind of stories you want to tell so I think that's why even though Cherry came out first, but this is a genre that you want to be in, it's always going to hold yeah. that special spot in your heart. So I yeah. can understand that completely. Absolutely. Absolutely it does. And I always, I've always felt like I've been born in the wrong era. <laughs> I can't stand today's music. I Some of the movies that I've seen, they're just horrendous. I mean, if I'm looking for a great night in, I'm going to choose something like Casablanca, you know what I mean? Yeah. And when it comes to music, I have always, always, always been so attracted to the 60s. I don't know what it is. I feel, I honestly feel like I have been there before. There's just something about that era that just, re it, 
it's almost like nostalgia, but I can't even yeah. say that because, you know, I was born in 1990. Yeah. So, and one of the things that I, you know, got feedback from was, of course, a lot of the older generation, like the baby boomers, yeah. they were coming back and they were saying, oh my God, you know, when you spoke about this or when you mentioned this and it just brought up so many memories for us and you could see the excitement in their eyes, you know, because that's their childhood too. Yeah. Like that's what they went through. Um, so if I can, you know, touch people like that in any way, I think that that's a great thing. So a lot of my other novels that I have written, um, I've done some in the 70s. Um, this one that's coming out is now in the 80s. Um, and I feel that people get really excited to sort of go back to their own childhood. Definitely talking about music and movies and you know that was a lot of yeah a lot of feedback came back about that part but does that mean your next book's going to be in the 90s you know what i should because I, I should and i am tinkering away at something but i still i'm very much drawn to the 60s 70s and 80s that's yeah. where my real real passion my real love lies and i feel like that's sacrilege because i was you know grew up in the 90s but yeah mm, i don't know i don't know how many fans of the spice girls are out there or five or aqua you know what i mean i don't know <laughs> right <laughs> i'm trying to talk my housemate into going and see five they're coming out this year to australia I, i'm trying to get my housemate to come with me but she just won't and i'm like come on why not i know it's, it's technically three now isn't it i think yeah, three yeah, out of the five we won't talk about that that's fine look yeah. I, I would be imagining the missing two on stage yeah yes season, exactly so. they'll, they'll, they'll hire two two of the um boys from hansen no, I'll get up there and do it. I'm a singer. I'll do it, man. You know me. Like, I'll get it. I know all their songs off the top of my head anyway. So, yeah, no, I, I, get, I get that. You know, it's just there is something about nostalgia that just gives you that nice, warm and fuzzy feeling like, you know. Yeah. It's like going back to when you're having a really crap day and you put on a movie that you watched or, or a show that you watched when you were little or read a book that you used to love when you were little and it just makes everything okay again, you know. So, Absolutely. I agree with you. Some of the best times of my life when I was a kid and obviously things were so much simpler back then. And I feel grateful that I got in there really before the technology kicked in yeah. because I see so many kids these days, like I'm talking really young kids and they're out at, you know, restaurants and stuff and all they're doing is this and you drive down the streets and nobody's outside. Even when I was a kid, people were yeah. outside, yep. like playing on their bicycles or, you know, be home when the, you know, when the lights yeah. go out of the bar. That just doesn't happen anymore. And I'm so glad that I got in there right before that because... Yeah. I, I don't know, but there's always something magical about childhood memories. Mm -hmm. And I really feel that these, you know, sort of stories evoke that for, for different reasons, you know, different reasons. No, I agree. And, and, and exactly what you're saying nowadays, I wasn't allowed to get my first mobile phone until I was 18. And, yeah. You know what I mean? I had to pay for it myself, get my own prepaid, you know, my parents yeah. were like, you, you don't need a phone. You know, yeah. like I mean, I'm I was born in '82, so it's not that, you know, it was just in the era. Like, yeah, I I think it was yeah. So it was 2000 when I was 18, and that was when I got my first mobile phone. And now you see, like six, seven, eight year old kids have got you know bloody iPhones yeah. and everything. It's yeah, and none, none of them get to play Snake. No, no. Yeah. Well, none of them get <laughs> to spend like five getting... hours composing ringtones on composer and like that. <laughs> These kids, I tell you, <laughs> you're bringing out the old man in me right now. But um, yeah, 
But um, yeah, yeah, you and I would have been you and I would have been um, neighbors. I live in Blacktown. Tim Gabby's not too far from. Um, yeah, so, of course. You know, wow. Around that time, I tell you, it's just kids these days, they don't know what they're missing <laughs> with their with their playstations <laughs> and their Nintendos. And, um, <laughs> So <laughs> I had a Nintendo 64. Oh, that was Great. the best console in the entire world. I tell you. That. Super Mario Kart. <laughs> but, but yes. Even just so I just have fond memories of just, you know, being a massive nerd, sitting around with my mates playing Goldeneye with one little oh, yes. screen. And, yeah, that was the coolest ever. You look back at it now, and but at the time you were thinking, oh, my God, this is so cool. Look at the graphics, yep. you know. Yeah. Everything was so much, I don't know, for me personally, it was just so much simpler. Childhood, it's... Yeah. I agree. I agree. Getting great memories. Very nostalgic. Before we go too far off topic, why don't, you ta- why don't you take us through your next book, which is coming out at the end of October, which is... Why don't you give us a bit of a, bit of a, a teaser on what that's about? Um, so in case my answer before didn't sort of indicate, I am very, very heavily involved. Well, I shouldn't say involved. It makes me sound like I'm a serial killer. I have a keen interest in uh, true crime. Anything, serial killers, just give it to me. Netflix documentaries, I'm all over it. Yep. Um, so this is basically what Fool's Game is about but it's taking away a little bit from my love of Jack the Ripper. Okay. I know. I know it sounds weird, but just hear me out. So I wouldn't say that this is a crime thriller. I would say it's more a psychological thriller. Um, So my protagonist, Eddie Matthews, he is retired. I wouldn't say happily because his lover, his mind is still on the force and being in the action Mm. every day and, you know, helping solve mysteries. And, um, but one day when he's sitting down for breakfast, he receives a call from an ex colleague um, who basically says that uh, they've stumbled across a crime scene, but there are sort of uh, these clues and, you know, it's, it's really out of the ordinary. It's not just your normal, you know, slash them and just walk away kind of thing. So he says, you know, Hey buddy, look, I miss you. I know that you miss working. Just come and check it out for a little while. Just just tell us what you think. Uh, so that's exactly what he does. And he thinks that it's just going to be a one-time thing. He's going to go and he's going to observe the crime scene and give his, you know, expertise opinion on, you know, what could this be? What does that mean? What does the what does the left sink tap running? What what does that indicate? What's the symbolism there? Um, but obviously it's not just a one-time deal. Things start happening. He becomes more and more involved in the situation. Um his relationship, his marriage um, begins to suffer because of it, because obviously his wife, she has gone through decades of him being out at all hours of the night and day. And Mm -hmm. she's now thinking, yay, he's retired. I'm going to have my, we can start to do things. We can go to, you know, on a trip to Aruba and he's just being pulled constantly into this case um, until he himself starts being targeted by the killer. Um, and I think that's maybe all I want to reveal because I feel like if I keep going, then I'm going to sort of say too much. So it's, I wouldn't say that's a crime thriller in the fact that I'm not going into, you know, a lot of the jargon about, you know, autopsies and things like yeah. that and the procedures because this is set back in 1984. Okay. So things were a lot different back then. I mean, they didn't even use DNA in, in the case that, you know, in those situations. Um, 
dabbling with it, but it wasn't like how DNA is today, you know, fingerprinting, sure, but it's completely different. So I've sort of steered clear of the crime so much, but more about the, um, more about the protagonists, yeah. about what's, what he is going through, the psychology now being targeted, having to hide it from his wife because he already knows that she's pissed off and mm. his son is heavily involved in drugs and there's a lot going on. So I am super excited for this. No, dear, no one's trying to kill me. <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about? Did you lock the doors? You know what I mean? Yeah, there's no, a man just... outside the window with a knife. <laughs> He's the ages. <laughs> Just look away, do look away? <laughs> yeah, so I'm super excited again. It's again, it's something that's quite different. Um, but I was super excited about it because there are a lot of clues. There are a lot of, you know, I, I can just imagine people reading it going, what What the heck does that mean? What does the Star of David have to do with it? What does a dead yeah. dog like? Yeah, not that I endorse cruelty, but I there is a reason for that. And yeah. that will reveal itself at the end. So, yeah. And I'll be thinking, where did Jack the Ripper get that time machine to come to 1984 and become the killer of this? No. <laughs> you know, I, I was I was more more leaning to like great great granddaughter of of Jack the Ripper called Jill the Ripper. Um, <laughs> well, you know you know that that is the theory, right? Oh my god. Don't, don't. There, there there is the theory of Jill the Ripper. There oh. are people out there who believe that um she, it was in fact a female and that she was in the disguise um of you know um delivering babies and things like that of being a nurse um because she could walk around through the streets with blood on her clothes and go undetected okay. um so there is actually that theory of Jill the Ripper. I personally think that it's bollocks but yeah. you know so do I. That's why I made a joke about it. But you know, <laughs> I get it. I really, this this has been posed many times before online. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But did you believe the fact that he he or she was in fact in the medical profession? Yes. Yeah. But it's also you know it's so interesting is that I don't know if you guys know much about it, but I'm saying that there are so many people who are passionate and would tell you when you're wrong and that they are right. But really, at the end of the day, people can't even collectively agree on just how many victims there were. Okay. It's believed to be five, and I do think that it is as well, but there are some people that know it was only three, and then there are some people who think it goes up to 11. So that's why I want to be very careful because there are a lot of... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A number of deaths. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's just say that. Well, I mean, so, the theories that I heard, I've heard theories going from him being a doctor to being a butcher. Uh, yes. You know, not not in the literal sense, obviously, as a murderer, but a butcher you know, as well. But, um, yeah, look, I, I haven't really fallen down a rabbit hole, but just having this conversation kind of starting to send me down a bit of a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> it will eat you alive. Turn back now. I'm on going to bed, but looks like that's not happening. Um, <laughs> I've been googling Jack the Ripper and yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the conspiracy theory podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love conspiracy theories. I could go on about this all night, but well, yeah. we'll get you back on for that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'll be available. Um, and actually, in my acknowledgement section in the back of Fool's Game, I do actually mention Jack the Ripper, and it was more about. Um, not even so much about Jack the Ripper himself, but about the detectives working on the case. Mm-hmm. Mm. I've always thought about that. Everyone, obviously, obviously you know, yeah. the victims and the possible suspects. But 
I really can't help but think about the detectives who were there working their fingers to the bone. There is so much public pressure. Like you guys are laying down on the job. You haven't even caught him, all of this yeah. kind of stuff. I really wonder what that does to someone's mental well-being. Yeah. And it really is sort of, yeah, to do with the main inspector um, on the on the case. And I always wondered, like, was he thinking of Jack on his deathbed? I mean, I would, wouldn't you? Mm. It'd be the one that got he was always that one step ahead, always outsmarted yeah. me, you know. So yeah, inspiration, fool's game. Well, look, if, we, we, ever, if we ever do, if we if we ever do hear of the definitive answer to who is Jack the Ripper, I'll be contacting Elon Musk to see if someone's keeping time. <laughs> we can take the credit for that. I think. You know what? I have belief that it is going to happen one day. Yeah. yeah, I have. I have to hold on to that belief. There are also other unsolved mysteries that I want to sign and just. Oh yeah, I, yeah. There's a lot. But until then, I'll just have these thoughts in my mind and, <laughs> and see what gets on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, that's it. So, uh, so obviously that. So with Fool's Game, is that finished? You've completely finished on that. That's just waiting to go. Yeah, it is technically with my editor at the moment, and she's due to give that back to me on the tenth. So not long to go now. Um, then it'll just be the final sort of phase of going through making sure that I haven't accidentally added you know two question marks instead of one mm. um and then the exciting process of finding um, I think I'm going to go back to that front cover designer yep. who did my second oh, book yeah, because yeah, I received yeah. so much so much positive feedback from that so I think she sort of knows what I'm like now I'll yeah. go back to her and that's one of the most exciting parts of the whole entire process because that's when it really becomes real like wow it's finally happening so i am confident that everything's going to be here on the 31st of october which is halloween because it's kind of oh yeah i like that no i will i will admit at least at least 50 to 60 percent of the time the cover sells me on the book and i was thinking that when i saw memories of then i thought that's that's a brilliantly designed cover i really really it's very intriguing it's like hmm I wonder what this is all about. So I think you've stumbled upon a winner with that cover designer. Thank you. Yes, she is an award-winning designer. She has worked with all of the top literary agencies oh, wow. in Australia, Penguin, all of all of that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, expensive, but definitely, definitely well worth it. And I like the fact that it's it is rather simplistic when you think about it, but it gives away. For me, it gives away a lot. It's the atmospheric of the dark rumbling clouds, and you know that it's not exactly going to be a happy ending. Uh, mm. I, that's not a spoiler. It kind of it's it's a given. It's implicit. You know, just look at the rumbling clouds. Yeah. So I would definitely go back to her for this one. Mm-hmm. So super excited! Can't wait! Okay. Cannot wait! You've 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 definitely sold me, and that's the premise of this podcast. So I'll be buying it when it comes out. So you've got you've got me buying that. So. Well, you know, it's people always say don't judge a book by its cover. I do. I mean, when we're talking about literary books, yeah, that's that's okay. Yeah, (laughs) I, I honestly, I, I do. I I am like you. If the first thing that I lay my eyes on, it's the biggest marketing tool that an author has, is is their front cover, and you know. They say, oh, you know, just give it a go because the content is good. It doesn't matter about the art. Well, it, well, it does because it speaks for everything. If the self-publisher hasn't taken the time to get a decent front cover, then what makes people have faith that they've given the time to mm. their actual material? Okay. It's usually they go hand in hand. I don't, I don't want to be mean, but I have seen really some shocking front cover designs 
that people have so clearly done themselves and it's just it's so sad because I think you're shooting yourself in the foot before you even have a chance like let people be intrigued first but clearly photoshopped and I know that you weren't asking for advice but if anyone's listening and they do want just one piece of advice if they're self-publishing front cover they can be hella but do yourself a favor exactly you're right you couldn't have said it better because as like the amount of books that I've bought just based on the cover yeah. me and I'm like, okay, that looks pretty good. I'm going to, I buy most of my stuff digitally so I can go on Amazon yeah. and go, you know what, I'm going to read that first little couple of pages based on the yeah. cover and then I read it and then I'm like, okay, I'll buy it. But you're 100% right. It's a visual thing. You see the cover, like looking at that cover, it's just without even knowing what the book's about is, okay, I'm going to do the look inside. I'm going to read the first chapter. Yes. You know, that then you've got them. You got the like you say, the foot in the door, and then you yes. with your writing. So I agree. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better. I think that's fantastic. Um Thank you. so give us a little insight on what you're working on at the moment. Um, well, because I know that I have a few more days to play around before I get the final of Thor's game, I'm actually working on it's down the bottom there. I'm just doing a little bit of editing on a horror. Again, different, I know, mm-hmm. um, but it's based in the 70s. So I'm just going through with my red marker and my physical copy and just, you know, correcting grammar, punctuation. Was it about syntax. the disco strangler from Brooklyn Nine-Nine? <laughs> <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> it's so uncanny. Um, this one is, this one's really crazy too. Sometimes I don't really know how I get my ideas. I sort of just float in, yeah. just float in and That'll I capture them. Well, you've said the magic word horror. Do you want to tell me a little bit about it? <laughs> I, I'm a massive horror buff. I, horror is my Me too. So. But, you know, but you know what? I am more of a movie, horror movie, because it's the sound. Mm-hmm. It's the sound. I feel like I get way more frightened during mm-hmm. a movie because of the sound. Um, and, you know, leading up to it, you know, something's going to happen. Whereas in a book, it's, you know what I mean? I, I, I still it. can get scared. Yeah. But for me, it was a little bit daunting because I love horror so much that I put a lot of pressure on myself. But the premise is a husband and wife move into a house and strange occurrences start happening. I know you haven't heard this one before. <laughs> uh, strange occurrences. <laughs> um but let's just say that it's not just the house being haunted. There are a lot of secrets inhabiting this town and um, the husband and wife starts sort of drifting this way because one person believes that these things are truly happening. The other person doesn't, thinks that there are logical explanations. So there's drama, there's tension. Um, other people are brought into the mix and a secret is revealed towards the end. I always like having that little bit of a aha uh-huh mm-hmm. towards the end. So hopefully people don't work it out until then, but we'll see. So it's very, very early stages. I'm not even thinking of getting my editor to have a look over it yet. I am literally just red pen fixing up. There are still spelling mistakes in there because I type like 100 miles yeah. an hour. Um, so it's just that sort of stuff until I you know, can focus heavily on Fool's Game on the 10th. Yeah. Well, speaking of horror then, seeing as we got into it and you're a bit of a horror buff, still a famous line from a movie. What's your favourite scary movie? Oh, uh, well, can I say a franchise? You can, yeah. I'll allow it. Halloween. Halloween, yeah. 
Halloween. Halloween. I, I, I agree with that because the fact that John Carpenter can take a couple of notes on a piano and steal the absolute <laughs> crap out of you. <laughs> and the amount of money Amazing. that man has made on that, just of those couple of notes on the key. And that was my ringtone, I think, for my entire 20s. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, yeah. I had that ringtone as well. No, I, I love it. Look, I'm going to be honest and, again, say the whole newer movies that are coming out, I'm not really such a huge fan. Yeah. But um, actually... Halloween four and five, they are my favorite. Okay, and also six. Six got a bad rap, but I actually don't mind number six as well. But hands down, Mark Myers. The Rob Zombie ones. What did you think of those ones? No. <laughs> okay, this is where we might have to differ a little bit. I, I'm oh, no. I, I will say I, I'm a massive Rob Zombie fan in terms of music as well. Uh, oh, okay. I just I think those two movies. They don't compare to the first six, yeah. but I think that I, I look at it, me being a massive Batman fan, I look at those being the Christian Bale Halloween. Nice. Okay. I respect that. So, I respect that. I know exactly what, I know exactly what you're saying. I do respect that. Yeah. I don't like the new ones but, at all. At all. I, don't, I can't stand them. The Halloween, Halloween Kills, whatever the new ones is. And I can't stand those ones. Yeah. So I'm with you there, but. Um, I just think it was Rob Zombie's take was just a little bit more, I don't know, violent and psychological for me. Yes, I, I agree too. Yeah. But you can you can't go past you. I mean, the original one, only two people die in the first Halloween movie, and one of the <laughs> most scariest horror movies out there. So, honestly, I could talk all day about Michael Myers. I unfortunately I can't retrieve it now, but I do have a doll of Michael Myers up there, and he has this little button at the back that where you press it, you hear um, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis in the first one how she's running from um, the house across the road to try and wake up um Tommy, and she's literally that's her screaming with the music in the background. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna grab out and send you a photo of it later. Okay. So and all you need you know, I'll put it up on the screen. All you need is the other Mike Myers from Shrek and Austin Powers up there. <laughs> Do you know how many people get those confused when I say something about Michael Myers? They're like, "Oh yeah, he's heaps funny." <laughs> no, you, you don't. <laughs> Well, that, that, it, it'd be like similar to 28 days and 28 days later. <laughs> oh, I know. I just, you know what? I, I feel embarrassed for people. All right, let me. Can, can you see that? I can see that. Yeah. Can you see that? I can see it. Oh, you yep. got Michael Myers and Michael Jackson. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> you have a shelf of Michaels over there. <laughs> I also have Pennywise because I am a huge fan. Captain Jack Sparrow and Pennywise. Pennywise, uh, original or reboot? Oh, I, okay. Stephen King is my all time favorite, and I can talk for hours about this. The original. Okay, yeah. I agree. Original. I, I've watched, it took me three goes to watch the second remake of it. And I, there was just something about it I just couldn't, couldn't sit through. It's just Tim Curry's the best Pennywise out there, I think. And I just, yeah, I just couldn't. Couldn't get into the new ones. What good it for me, I think, was, again, talking about the childhood part, I felt like they, in the first movie, they were all so well-connected. Yep. 
the the children when we go back into their you know youth I there was something I felt that was so magical I know it's a horror movie Mm -hmm. but I believed it more like when a certain person passes away you know you you feel it more because you feel like you're wow that's their best friend you know Mm -hmm. and for me you know sometimes as they say less is more and for me a lot of movies these days they just go way overboard with cgi to the point where you can't even it, you it's just a joke for me personally no i agree 100 percent. no i definitely so, you have my respect in terms of horror i appreciate that so and it's got, um, it's got me really really excited for this horror book that you're just starting to work on so even though i may have to wait a while i definitely yeah keep an eye out for that one well, look, I wasn't going to say anything um, because I like to be sure about something before I say it, but I plan, this is the plan to next year start releasing two novels per year. So one mm-hmm. in the beginning, one towards the end. And I already have the fourth one lined up. That that again is a drama, but I am thinking of releasing the horror next year. Yeah, do it. I feel like my... <laughs> <laughs> okay you know what i'm gonna do it just for do you it. do it and look if you want to if you want to if you want to name your your one of the ghosts or supernatural fields right i wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't say no to naming it after me you can do that i'd be right. you know what done that's a promise yeah, i'm in two books now i mean he's on a high because i i i put him in my book yep. <laughs> now every author we have i'm sort of suddenly dropping i want to make the ryan multiverse yeah. <laughs> Done. Oh, Absolutely done. Not a problem. Oh, I'm gonna. You, you don't have to put me, and I'm. I'm not. I'm not that fast. You know. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm there in I spirit. Might, I might let. You, I, I'm. I'm known. If you do listen to any of other episodes with authors, I'm known to talk a lot. So I might let Jamie have a bit of a crack at having a talk. Uh, he, he's contracted to 500 words per episode, but he never. <laughs> it, so I'll let him have a chat now. Okay. Um... I don't know. Well, well, that's all the time we have it. for now. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> well, that's where we're up to. Like, because you you said, what are we working on? And um, she told us. So, okay, now now I'm going to be like, all right. Um, favorite childhood movie. Oh. <sighs> okay. Straight off the top of my head, even though it does actually change, I'm just now and then. But I was absolutely obsessed. With Greece. Oh, who wasn't? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I I mean, I, at one point I really thought that I was sort of like a Sandy and I was still my dad's cigarettes and not obviously <laughs> light them, um, but he'd come home to all of these broken cigarettes because I'd stub them out with my little, you know, tiny foot, you no, know, pretending to be Sandy. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You didn't you didn't I think was, about using fads? Remember the fad oh, candy? The fad, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, it was just more convenient. Dad was yeah. out, you know. My mum was around somewhere, probably cooking, or and I just, you know, his drawer was. Well, what am I supposed to do? And, and in a way, you're, you're helping him quit smoking. So. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I did it for you, Dad. But yeah, no. Now and then, really great memories. I even rem- remember watching it with my uh, neighbours across the road. I had a wonderful childhood with them, and. Like so many situations, we've, you know, drifted apart, you know, mm-hmm. moving away and one of them has married with kids now. And But I do actually have fond memories of being with my best friends from, from childhood mm-hmm. in Greece. Oh. Not, what was your one? Too. You? What was yours? Greece too, but Greece one for sure. 
Oh, we, we don't even, we don't mention that. That's even... No, we can't talk about that. We'll just, we wish, that's one of the movies I wish gets stricken from the record. <laughs> you know what? I agree. Agreed. Excellent. Well, thank you, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us tonight, Stephanie. I appreciate, uh, I know it's a bit late. Where are you in Australia at the moment, are you, Stephanie? Yes, I'm in Sydney. Oh, yes. Yes. So we're all on the same time zone. I think this is the first interview we've ever had where we're all. Yay! So it's definitely well past my bedtime. But uh, <laughs> what I'd like to do before we go, Stephanie, where can our listeners learn more about you, socials, your, where they can buy your books, see your movies, all that kind of thing? So hit us up. I have a website which I do sort of update when it needs updating. There's not too much that I've got, you know, to list there now, apart from what I've previously done, but my website, and I am very heavy on social media, Facebook, Instagram, back, I'm even on Twitter, I have a Tumblr, which is really fun, even today I did a, a blog post about 10 books that have helped me with my writing journey, so I'm now sort of, you know, trying to do tips and stuff as well, um, give me a shout, say hello, I have a lot of people that come to me for advice and I think that it's so wonderful that I can pay it forward. I really, I really do. Um, people need a helping hand in this world and if you can offer assistance and just give it to them. So I'd be happy to hear from anybody. Instagram and Facebook are my two biggest ones. Excellent. And, and look, the more people we can get into the writing industry in terms of writing, reading, you name it, I think is better. People need to, and I'm, again, I'm putting my, my grumpy old man pants on. People need to read more because honestly, it's it's so soothing and it just takes you out of real life. I mean, like, real life, everything that's going on in the world at the moment is crazy anyway. Yeah. So if you can just sit down and read a book for a couple of hours on the weekend or whenever, just to take you into another world, we need more. Yeah. You know, we need to... There's a lot of TV and streaming and everything at the moment. We need more people reading. I absolutely agree. When someone tells me that they hate reading, <sighs> no, I mean, look, to each their own, and I get that. But for me, it is the best form of escapism. Definitely. You don't need a passport. You don't even need mm. to leave the confines of your own home. You just get taken away, and it is so much fun. It is the best form of creativity I can think of. I love it so much, mm. and I agree with you. I would love it love it if more people were actually reading especially children i think it's so important yeah. really truly just I agree. it's amazing yep. it's the best thing in the world you couldn't have said it better well thank you so much for taking the time stephanie for we're going to obviously in the show notes we're going to have a link to your website to your books everything uh, but yeah we will hopefully maybe we can get you back on before um fool's game drops and we can do a bit of promo for that as well I'd be so happy. And if you want to continue talking about Michael Myers, I am down for that as well. Even though <laughs> if that's a whole separate thing, I just give me a call. We'll have to have, yes. we'll have, to have a horror. I reckon we'll have to have a horror, horror, panel. horror episode with a horror panel because we've got a couple of other guests that have said that. And we can just get you a big free-for-all. I'd, I'd be so keen. So, so super keen. Just let me know, okay? Yeah, well, it's pretty funny because we've got four horror writers in a row. <laughs> I'm Ooh. So there's one... Uh, when at the time of this is recorded, it's a week ago. It's come out, so recording time it's out tomorrow, and then um, yours will come out, and then another one after you. Oh, that is so super cool! Go horror! Everyone <laughs> always talks about fantasy and sci-fi. Where are the horrors at? Come on! And it's just it's making bad. my wallet emptier and emptier and emptier. So yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. I probably am the only 
podcast person who buys literally every single one of his guest books, at least. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part. Yeah. You are. You are. You're a top guy. Thank you. All right, All right guys. Yep. Thanks for coming on. Um, thanks for letting me talk, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me. And, um, yeah, we'll catch you next time. See you next time. listeners and watchers, Jamie here. I just wanted to take a second to let you know that I too am an author, and I have two books of my own. One, Letters from the Emu War. Based on a real-life event, it tells the story of the time when the Australian Army declared war on 20,000 flightless birds and lost. This book is written from the perspective of those who won. And two, Buck's Night. First in a trilogy of novellas, it's about a medieval-themed Bucks party that is interrupted by the zombie apocalypse. You can find them both on Amazon by following the links in the show notes.